yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time imon irok the yen of chacht erachor. Agus suligam a makan sha gurfeder erachor inuik kiart len of winter fein. Skilti fis turmi. Tashe dochretche nach vetoch ara egornamian on kestchen ekol. Vien talam aginam griv arkar nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. And welcome to the Left Wing, our daily podcast from the Rugby World Cup in France. We are up and running in tour where the Ireland squad have their main base for the pool stage of the Rugby World Cup. I'm Sinead Kazan and Rory O'Connor and Keane Tracy are here. Rory, thanks a million for inviting us uh, upstairs in your Airbnb here yes, in tour. Yes, we are here in tour. It's, uh, we wanted some atmosphere, so we've gone to a room with no uh, no windows. There's a nice picture of uh, um, the, the Notre Dame above us to give us some sense that we're in France. But yeah, it's not, not, not our best efforts but it's quiet and it's uh it's it's not as hot as it is at the training base where it is it's it's so hot over here in tour we've had to keep the fans on and the windows closed to try and keep, keep the heat out yeah we were just in the press conference there keen and it was very hot inside there poor joe mccarthy you'll read about him tomorrow he was sweating at the top table and not just because of your questions I, well, yeah, I don't know about that. But yeah, and apparently that's the team meeting room. That's where they're doing a lot of their team meetings. So I'd say it's, yeah, it gets pretty sweaty in there. But yeah, it was good to kind of get started. I think there's definitely been a bit of a shift even from the weekend. Obviously, I was over here on Saturday. You know, there was plenty of kind of things going on between the open session and between the official welcome ceremony that they had later that evening. And you could sense that there was a real giddiness around and you know, there was no harm because I know myself and Rod were both at the, the squad announcement in the Shelburne last week and it was pretty downbeat. You could understand it like in a way that um, Keen Healy's injury and all that, but it, it just felt like kind of um, a bit underwhelming. But the, it it was the total opposite over the weekend. But I felt today then it was switched back. You know, it's match week. It's, you know, started a World Cup this weekend and you can really sense it now that it's around the corner. Yeah, and you also had to delve into your expert knowledge of fungus as mm. well. That really came in handy, Keen. Yes, I didn't have that on my bingo card when I was thinking what would I be writing on the first day in the World Cup. But yeah, look, it was, in the grand scheme of things, it was a minor hiccup, but it was the kind of thing that in a previous, under the previous regime, you imagine it would have been even more of a bigger deal. So than tell us again what happened for those who may not have heard of yeah, so so basically Ireland, where we've just come from, um, outside the city, like stunning state-of-the-art training facilities that they have. And the hope is that for, for the Olympics next year, that the men's and women's sevens team are going to use it as well. The players have been saying about how good the gym has been. Interestingly, 
uh, my understanding is a lot of it has been modeled off the HPC that they have in Dublin. Like that's the extent that the the local people have gone to here. So uh, absolutely no complaints about where they're training. But for the open session, they moved it into a stadium closer to the center of town. The football team use it. So it was supposed to be on Saturday and members of the backroom team turned up on Friday just to get a sense of the place and found that the pitch was unplayable really like there's no other way to describe it I saw it for myself there was just lumps uh, coming up out of it um, you couldn't train in it like I mean it was so bad that they they really did very little while they were there Um people have probably seen the photos and the videos like they were kicking around a medicine ball and kind of doing different things it was a band on the Viking pitch. clap yeah the Viking clap which I'm really not sold on that becoming a thing I mean they, James so it's 2023 yeah and the Viking clap was it Euro 2016 a long time ago like, Euro, come now, on. Yeah. I know France do it still but I'm, I'm I think the Irish rugby team need to come up with their own uh fan interaction thing rather than anyway if we're very grumpy maybe being a grumpy old man but the uh, yeah Jameson Gibson Park is the, is the ringleader of that and he actually did it again at the welcome ceremony look the locals seem to love it and well, they had to do something yeah too. and like they have got a brilliant welcome I mean Again, people have probably seen the videos. 12,000 people turned up to um, to the open session and it was incredible the noise that they created. So like the players were a bit disappointed that they didn't get to kind of put on more of a show for them. Um, but sorry, just go back to the Friday. So the, the backroom staff came and my understanding is that there was, ta- there was talk of possibly canning the whole thing that the pitch was too bad, like it was an injury waiting to happen. But then Andy Farrell got involved and said, no, like this is really important. We're going to be here for the next month. We need to give back to the welcome that we have. And like I said, 12,000 people. So it was brilliant that Andy Farrell, and it's a real, it shows again kind of his emotional intelligence really. I know we've kind of banging on about it a while, but these are the examples that show it. Because look, we all remember in 2019 in Fukuoka the pitch and the stress that that caused Joe Schmidt. And now we know it was a little bit different because it was a pitch that the um, the match against Samoa was going to be on. But um, Farrell just rolled with the punches. Um, yeah, I surprising. think like we shouldn't give the perception that they're not serious about what they do because when you go to the team uh, training centre today. I mean, there was more uh, policemen and security staff than, than journalists at the thing. And like, if you, there is a, like a little point where you might be able to see a, a bit of grass on the pitch. I know one of my colleagues just went for a, just a wander to try and get some shade and the security around him straight away. You can't stand there. Training was over at this point. So like around the squad, when they're at their business, that's very serious. But I do think he's got a much better understanding of what it means to manage through a World Cup to keep people happy and Japan was a miserable experience for a lot of the players and we could sense that when we came across them we could sense it from their dealings look it's day one there's loads of time to go there's loads of controversy could unfold they could become a very unhappy camp very quickly but I did a piece about it last Saturday about how he has used his soft skills and his emotional intelligence to build towards this point and it's one of the reasons I've less fear about them producing at this tournament than I would have had about you know the Joe Schmidt era and even other, other coaches before them because they became very uptight when the pressure was on and I don't see that ha- being an impact I mean there's other things that can derail them and it's not the biggest factor but I do think Keane's right and just the scenes I obviously wasn't there at the weekend I came over yesterday but looking at the videos I was just struck by how relaxed they all looked I think you used the word giddy before we came on air like you know it, it, it's important that they enjoy it like I went I went to the other camps during 2019 World Cup and they were having a, but the time in their lives they were at a World Cup and they were like this is the most the biggest, most enjoyable thing I'm ever going to do in my career. And he went to Ireland and it was like, and now maybe it was just because they had microphones in front of them, but they all seemed way down by it. 
that's one thing they don't need to have on their shoulders. Like that's not something that should be a factor whether you get there or not. It shouldn't be, but I think Farrell has got the balance much better. And when they're on, they're on. But you know, they went and played golf in an exclusive place yesterday, and it really enjoyed themselves by all accounts. And some of them just went and visited tour and spent time around the town. I didn't get that sense in Japan that they have felt that freedom. They're away from the World Cup here, and I think that will stand to them. I know it's only Romania this weekend, long way to go, but I think that will stand to them. Well, we do. We did have that. Uh, was it Rob Carney's book where he mentioned about Andy Farrell in the bedroom hotel during that 2019 World Cup with his guitar out and singing a song and all that kind of stuff? I wonder will he be doing much of that this time? But come here, Kim, we're just back from the press conference. What was the vibe you got from? Um, obviously, we spoke to Ronan Keller as well, so fingers crossed he's going to be fit to go. Uh, for this weekend's opener after that hamstring injury as well, I suppose. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. I mean, the likelihood is now you, you know that he is going to be involved either starting or on the bench against Romania and he needs game time. It's been a long time since he's played. Apart from Johnny Sexton, he's the only one in the squad who, who didn't play over the summer. So particularly with Dan Sheehan's injury, look, they're being quite coy about that. And you can understand why they're doing it as well a couple of weeks ago it looked like the guy was going to be ruled out of the World Cup and my sense is probably that it's South Africa best case scenario which would be great wouldn't it um, so Ronan Kelleher still has a huge role to play I mean that one-two combo you know coming off the bench and that's something he was speaking about as well about you know it is an 80 minute game uh, now more than ever you look at what the box are doing off their bench and Ronan Keller is a, is a key part of that so um, the mood I thought was very relaxed I mean you had, I don't know if you noticed, you saw Simon Easterby was down at the back of the room on his laptop. Andy Farrell walked in and cracking a few jokes. He was in good form, In good form he? and, you know, talking about how much they enjoyed going playing golf and just all very relaxed. But I do agree with Rod. I mean, that's because training is over now and they've finished their serious business. There definitely seems to be a better balance. But come back to us in three weeks time and we'll see kind of if it's still the same. But so far, so good. Like Kelleher's availability is such a game changer for Ireland. And like Rob Herring's an excellent rugby player. And I actually, when we were asked in our jury yesterday, I have Keller, I have Herring ahead of Kelleher for the South Africa game because of his line-out stability, his scrummaging, his form. But if they can get Kelleher back to the level where he's scoring tries against the All Blacks, like the, in 2021, wasn't it? Um, or 2020, the, the November series that, that year. Like he was Dan Sheehan before Dan Sheehan emerged. He was the first one of the first players Andy Farrell capped. He missed the last World Cup by a matter of months. He made his debut the following Six Nations off the bench the same day Kevin Norris made his debut. He has been an outstanding rugby player for Ireland. And I he was asked about whether he's fallen behind Dan Sheehan today, and he did answer that he said maybe I have a little bit, but he doesn't think he's any far, further behind Dan Sheehan in, in, in his own head. I think he he still remains very optimistic about his own ability if he can put the minutes under under his belt because that has always been the problem with Kelleher in the last couple of years. He has, unfortunately, the toll the sport takes on a hooker's body. It's one of the most injured positions across all the statistical studies. It, it has cost him minutes and has cost him caps over the years. If they can get him right for this window... I think he can remind remind people of what he can, what what a player he can be, and his one two with either Herring or Sheehan, depending what availability allows, is really important. Whether he's starting or he's coming off the bench, he's an outstanding player, and it's just a reminder of how strong this Ireland squad is. You know, obviously Keane Healy was a blow, but they're otherwise if. Cohn and Kelleher, um, Kilcoyne and Sheen are able to play a large part in these pool games. They're in great nick. You know, they're really well set for this tournament. Um, and the depth in certain positions is not there in every position, but that's like Kelleher is such a good player. I think one of the reasons people were panicking about Sheen was just because they were worried about Kelleher's injuries as well. 
I know obviously a lot of talk about what way Andy Farrell is going to go with the team selection yet. Another few days yet. Obviously they're here on tour until Thursday morning. They get the train down to Bordeaux and then Andy Farrell will name his team around lunchtime then on Thursday. What way does he go? Does he go full on? And I like, but I've seen some places that maybe, you know, Sexton might not start, but surely Sexton has to start this weekend. Yeah, we were trying to get a sense of that on Saturday. And I mean, you're trying to read into every little thing that Johnny Sexton said. Like, I mean, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start, but he made the point that, you know, it's what for the betterment of the team and it's a bigger kind of picture here, which... If you were Is reading, that the sense you got off? If you were John? reading too much into it, you might have sensed that he might be on the bench maybe to come off for 20 minutes. But I think he needs the, the game time personally. I think it's been so long since he's played. We all know that he's made a career out of coming back from injuries and hitting the ground running. But I think... Look, I was chatting to Ian Madigan about this for a piece in today's paper and it's up online about how like mentally how you prepare yourself to play someone like Romania and obviously Ireland did it in front of a record crowd in Wembley in 2015 and it can be different because they're going to throw different pictures they've nothing to lose but I think it's important that Ireland get out and lay down a bit of an early marker I mean put on a a good score play well I would have a few concerns I have to say about how the second string team have played uh, uh, probably across the course of the World Cup cycle. I think standards have have dropped at different times. I was writing about this last week and like you go back to the Fiji game in November, Andy Farrell was really annoyed with that. Even the Six Nations, they made a few changes in Rome, wasn't quite good. And then I know there was extenuating circumstances with the squad name, but the Samoa performance was was poor as well. So um, while I agree that the depth is decent in most positions, I think whoever does play this weekend, there's a huge onus, I think, on them. Like Ireland are the number one ranked team in the world. Romania are really poor. Like, let's not beat around the bush. They need to be going out and beating them well, I think. Reading the tea leaves, I think they're going to go strong. Not, maybe not as strong as possible. I think it's going to be a very strong team on Saturday. I think... John Fogarty talked about in, in the press conference earlier how they're very aware that 60,000 Irish people are coming to, to, to Bordeaux to watch the team. They spent big money to do so. And regardless of whether it's a, sec, you know, a, a second-tier nation and, and probably arguably the weakest tor- team in the tournament, they want to party. They want to keep those giddy vibes going. They want to perform. They want to get sex and 60 minutes under his belt or 50 or whatever it is. They want to get the first team a run. Doesn't matter what it's against. Just get them, get them humming. And then I think the team that played Tonga or something along those lines will be the one that plays against... Sorry, the team that played against Samoa will play against Tonga or something along those Maybe you bolster it a little bit. Maybe you keep Omahani back and you put Omahani in as captain and you, or even Ryan or something like that to give it that bit of leadership that, that, that dropped off in those games. But even the fact that Henderson... The way they talked about that week and the fact that they were basically replicating week-on-week stuff, I think it's going to be very similar teams to England into Tonga. Not the same, but also that will give them a chance to cap all 33 players at a World Cup and give everyone a sense that they're involved here before they go top 23 South Africa. Probably rejig that, but a similar enough team against Scotland. Quarter-final semi-final final if they're still here you you mentioned Joe McCarthy being up as well which would point uh, that he's going to be involved in the 23 as well and as you said Sinead we're going to have a piece in tomorrow's paper and online about him and he's a great great story like really interesting fella as well but like, you wouldn't say at the moment that he's in Ireland's first choice 23 even though he's pushing hard and if you talk to the coaches they're raving about how well he's doing so the fact that McCarthy was up today would suggest that you might have a few lads. Maybe on the be, bench. Yeah, possibly I think the they're bench, starting yeah. 15 with a kind of a mix and match bench and then the kind of stronger, the ta- again, the Samoa 15 with the with a first choice bench just in case things are going wrong. Well, like, look, look, exactly, like, like James yeah. Ryan and Rob Herring. Herring and, yeah. and, and he's not even first choice, but his experience, an experienced group of players that if things are going wrong, 
against Tonga that they can pull it out of the bag because they have to be strategic about the way they pick for the for, for the four weeks. Sorry, it's four games across five weeks. The gap is in an awkward spot. They'd much, I think, rather have. Do South you think Africa it is awkward? Scot- the down week. Oh, well, it depends if they, if they if they beat South Africa, it's perfect. Yeah. If you lose to South Africa, you've got a 14-day build-up to basically a last 16 game against one of your closest neighbours, a team you always beat. But Scotland, you know, are, have come into this very well. I, like, I've always felt that this World Cup pool comes down to that South Africa game. You beat South Africa, you open up the tournament for yourself. You lose to South Africa, suddenly you're in a, a grueling schedule of four weeks in a row if you want to win it. And it's very hard to do that, as we saw in 2019. So, um we're a few weeks away. As John Fogarty, you know, we batted away every question about South Africa today. But like, it, like they're, they're, you can understand why they do that. But like, they have to be thinking strategically about how and they, they definitely get to that are. Point. They definitely are. are. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's just what they're saying to us. There's no doubt that they're doing their homework and they've looked at South Africa's seven-one bench. I know you were asking about a Sinead and they kind of batted away. But like, there's no doubt that they are. And we're like, Rod, you touched on the the heat earlier. Like, that's going to be a massive factor this weekend. Exactly. Isn't it? So yeah, two thirty local time, three thirty Irish time. It is still hot out there probably in the it's lower 30s. a good job 30s. not playing South Africa this weekend because yes. they will be far more comfortable in these conditions, in conditions than Ireland. Yeah. Like Romania obviously will be more used to it but like Ireland are better players and they have spent that week in, in Bayonne. I know when people saw it the, the rain was falling but it was 40 degrees when they were training earlier in the week and they had that week in Portugal where apparently it was hotter than Bayonne so they have banked a lot of warm weather training and they're training in the warm weather this week so that, that's good that they're ready for it but it is like it's insufferably hot out there. Yeah, I think it was 29 degrees here in Tour today and I looked up the forecast, it's like 35 uh, for Bordeaux on Saturday. So that is, that's hot. Um, and that is going to be a factor as well. And like It's going to be, by the time we get to the, the business end of this tournament, it's going to be kind of autumn, like deep autumn. You know? So it's a, it's a really, because of the length of the tournament, it is an, an extra layer. Farrell was delighted that it rained in, in Bayonne because he wanted them to get 80 minutes of wet weather rugby under their belts. This World Cup will test all of these teams so deeply in every way because of they're starting effectively in high summer, even though it's September, but it feels like high summer. They're going to be ending at ho- Halloween. You know, it's such a, an unusual dynamic and it's going to take so much out of the players and all the environmental stuff we talked about at the start. That's why it's important because if they want to be here till the business end, and I was the only one here who tipped them to do so, do so in today's jury. Uh, no, I think Luke did. Luke as well. Sorry, only one here in the room. You know, the rest of you yeah, think I you're going home. You, so you tipped them. I tipped Ireland Ireland to win it. Yeah, um, you're an old romantic, and you, the French bug has already bitten you. <laughs> ah, look, the, the number one team in the world. I, I'm, I'm, I, I believe that they can, but like if they want to be here for eight weeks, all that stuff comes into it. Like it's going to be such a, a test of their characters, of their endurance, of their squad of their, their ability to get on with each other. Like, it's such a grueler of a tournament. And we're at the start of it, and we're all giddy, and they're all giddy. If they're still giddy with each other in eight weeks' time, he's really built a great environment. But it's like, oh, so all this sort of stuff is going to test them so much. This is my favourite part of any World Cup. You know, when you're still optimistic, we're all still talking to each other. This is the best time. Absolutely. Well, like, you did 07. So, like, compare yes. this environment, this atmosphere, to where they were at that, the point at that time. I when people think, yeah. came into it, like, I flew home from America as a fan to watch that tournament, spent a fortune, and I was there for the Argentina game when they got knocked out but I believed at that time Ireland could win a World Cup you know maybe you know my, my record speaks for itself but but O'Driscoll was talking about it that I think the optimism is far more rooted in something real this time and I think you can sense that from them that they're here to enjoy themselves and they're here for the duration but like you know you, you can compare the two, two well two I was much. saying it to Keane this morning it definitely felt like a far cry from Bordeaux 07 in that industrial estate with a man-made pond or lake or whatever it was across the way it is totally different compared to now and the buzz around the place even there was one street here in Tour and they've got like the Irish rugby bunting up there's you know oh like this is I, now maybe it will come back to bite us but I do 
feel like this has been a good decision by the Irish management they, to they've made, to like, there's been plenty of recce's over the last couple of years when it became clear that Ireland were going to be based here and like you know I've been here a couple of days and my sense from walking around if you go into a restaurant if you go into like a cafe the people are so happy and to the taxi the taxi people if you, once you mention where you go, you're going they're like oh Irish actually, rugby I, there's no rugby tour is complete without or any tour actually without a taxi story and the first taxi I got in tour when I arrived um, the guy had no English at all but he had a bunch of wall charts rugby world cup wall charts that he gave me and in his broken English said he can't wait to ride in France as the eventual winner so um it's it, there's a rugby pitch here and a rugby team but it's not it wouldn't be a huge kind of rugby hotbed but the locals have have totally bought in and it's 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 a nice place like just to give listeners a sense like i mean cuz i i was making this point to you earlier Schneider and Virginia in a video that i didn't know a lot about tour but it's really nice. You've got the river that runs through and there's like bars down along it. And there's just a really nice buzz here. I like we bumped into a couple of the players yesterday, a couple of the backroom team separately were walking around and getting out and enjoying it. You know, like compared to 2007, it's definitely a different vibe and they seem to be relaxed and they're getting out and enjoying it, which is what you should do. I mean, they're staying a little bit outside of the centre in I believe a hotel that's exclusively locked down to to them like that's you know so they have their own place where they can get away but it's nice that they can still pop into town and go for a coffee go for a dinner just to get out and 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 yeah experience what it has because it's nice there's a there's a lovely buzz is what I'd say around and, and it's not a world cup buzz because the world cup isn't going to pass by here but there's just the people there's big university here so a lot of younger people as well so yes yeah, so far so good that's another difference obviously to 07 and probably to a lot of world cups is back in 07 we lived in that team hotel all mm. the press conferences were there i think the press conferences were in the hallway at one stage for some reason they were moved out of the main kind of meeting area um so yeah we won't be going to the team hotel at any point that is locked down the team announcement will be in the team hotel on thursday i think as oh, the tournament once, goes on yes, yeah. in but Bordeaux. the way they the way in they tour. try to tour, do it yeah. is to just keep us keep all, everything all business done that's why they're like just like I don't press blame them. With, no, it's no, a win-win for us I stayed in the team hotels in Japan a couple of times by by fluke um, and I remember in, sure co- in, co- in yeah. oh, like oh, I mean every time in I got Kobe. into the lift I was, I was sharing a lift with an, an Irish player and um, I'll never forget it like as we checked in or as I checked in I was told that there was um, an onsen in the hotel which are obviously the public baths that for anyone you don't go you go, in, you go in in the nip so I was having these uh, oh, visions no, where's this going to go okay. no I was having these visions of going into the Anson and Joe Schmidt like kind of sitting in there so um, thankfully that never happened I steered clear but there isn't it's it's really awkward when you end up staying in oh, it is. A, a team hotel yeah. you know, it's uncomfortable for everybody yeah. because yeah. they feel like you're you're there and like you know almost spying but like you don't want to be there either you're, you want to lift, let them alone so it actually suits I think that the tour hotel is, is out of bounds okay guys uh, thanks a million for that uh, we will be back of course uh, well most days anyway here from tour and all, also right through uh, the Rugby World Cup uh, Will and Luke will be here tomorrow with their full belter of a World Cup preview pod uh, so don't miss out on that will we head to the back garden lads Absolutely. it's a nice one I'm outside looking forward to seeing what's on the lunch menu yes Chez Ruri lovely thanks a million and thanks for listening this is an Irish independent podcast